You're listening to a message from Highway Church as we welcome Jim Hockaday. Enjoy. Tonight you're over in Romans in chapter 7. We're going to talk about something, and I'm going to use some of this chalk here just to help make this come alive. I want you in Romans 7 so that I can read something to you that I think we all have experienced at one point or another, and that is the trial and the struggle with our flesh. As long as you're in flesh, you'll have to work with the flesh. Amen. And so notice what Paul says here, and this is the Message Bible, and it's out of Romans 7, 17 to 25, and it says this, but I need something more. See, he's working in his flesh. He said, for I know the law, but still can't keep it. And if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, do you know that I'm very aware here tonight that all of us have good intentions? You wouldn't be here unless you did. So I commend you for that. Amen. I mean, no one's shooting me right now. You know, no one's throwing an apple at me or a tomato at me. You know, I mean, we have best intentions. We have love in our hearts. We have respect for one another, for mankind. Amen, that's a good thing. Amen. But you know, good intentions don't necessarily cause you to be victorious if those good intentions are placed in the wrong place. So he goes on to say, um, the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions. I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. Has anybody ever been there before? I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Let me, let me share this. If you get up on any given day and say, today's going to be a good day, because of your effort to make it a good day, and today I'm not going to do some of the things that I did yesterday, I'll guarantee you before the end of the day you've done things that you did yesterday and you didn't do all the good things you thought you'd do. Because as long as you get up any day thinking about what you're going to do and the effort you're going to give, you're going to fall prey to the very same thing Paul's talking about right here, which is sin always takes advantage of man's effort. I don't mean to bore any of you with a golf example. But you know, I've worked out all my life, haven't recently, so please don't judge my size, but I've worked out all my life, and, and played football high school and college and so my experience with sports was more of an, an aggressive experience and now I've got this little ball down there laughing at me and, and about 40 inches you know of, of metal with with an end there and, I've, and that ends only this big and, and really the spot that you want to hit it's only about the size of a dime and you've got to swing that thing back and get right back to the exact same place and everything within you, if you're a person that comes from an athletic background of aggressiveness, wants to hit that ball. And the harder you swing to hit it, the less speed will be in the club, and it will not go as far as actually swinging easy and letting centrifugal force make that club come through very fast. Because if you look at the guys on the PGA Tour, they are not working out. <laughs> 
There's some of these guys that are about five foot seven, five foot nine, and they're bombing this thing. It's just all leverage, and, they, and their arms are so relaxed, that club whips through. See, tension and effort in your life will always cause you to run into sin. But the moment you let go and you relax, how can I let go and relax? You can only let go and relax if you know somebody else has got a hold of the reins. Hmm? Somebody? I said you can only let go and relax when you know somebody else has got a hold of the reins. That's the same thing for those that are sick and diseased. The more effort you give, my goodness. I mean, listen, Jesus didn't have to come with all of your effort. But the reason why he did come is because with all of our effort, we still couldn't help ourselves. Well, praise the Lord. I haven't convinced some of you just yet. But I have a few more minutes to work on it. Amen. Thank you. Ushers, lock the doors. I can't get out just yet. He said, I can will it, but I can't do it. I can decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. <clears throat> Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel. Just when I least expect it, they take charge. We've all experienced this. He goes on to say, I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there anyone who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? And the answer, thank God, is Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I'm pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. Turn your Bible over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 to 20. And this is where we're going to start using this board right here. I don't know if you can see this, but I'll let you know what it is. Maybe I've got to do that. I don't know. Okay, let's look in here, and this, I want this to stick with you forever, because when you see what's going to start happening here in just a moment, I think it'll cause you to actually delight in what Jesus has done for you. We've got to change our mind. It's actually a revolution that needs to take place. In other words, revolt against a mind that's unrenewed. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now, now think of it this way. Adam and Eve were sinners, and they still heard the voice of God and still recognized his presence. Twelve to fifteen years had passed, and their sons, the reason I say that is because the sons had responsibility over the, the crops, and they had responsibility over the, uh, the animals, the livestock. So in order to have that kind of responsibility, I'd say they had to be at least 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age. So 12 to 15 years has, has gone by since they've been in the garden, and, and Cain and Abel have never been in the garden. And yet when Cain was getting ready to kill Abel, God spoke to him and Cain heard him in complete sentences and recognized his presence. And they're what? Sinners. So if sinners can hear the voice of God and recognize his presence, what about the sons of God? What about the children of God? 
What about we've been raised up to sit together in heavenly places with him? We're right there by him. We don't even need to shout. He's right there. The voice of God is real to us. Jesus made a reference to that fact. He said, my sheep know me, my sheep hear me, and my sheep follow me. So what part of that don't we experience? Which shows you what? The power of an unrenewed mind. See, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they still had a mind that retained the knowledge of what it was like to be in the garden, and mom and dad passed it along to juniors, Cain and Abel, enough so that their soul still was tuned into the voice of God even though they were sinners. And here we are, we get born again, we get saved, we get filled with the Holy Ghost, we get raised up to sit in heavenly places, but our soul is still tuned into the world. We have every advantage to hear God, to know God, to feel God, to experience God, but our soul is tuned into the world, and we have to change that, and it's really a revolution. So see what I'm going to share tonight? I'm not going to apologize for it one bit. And if anyone wants to challenge me, I welcome that, because it's right here in Scripture. What we're going to see, what Jesus did was so amazing that there is no more what? There's no more challenge. What is done is done. And it's for our benefit to do what? To bring about a revolution in our thinking so we can actually change this paradigm, see ourselves in Christ and begin to experience Him. This thing is not about just experiencing your healing, experiencing prosperity in your pocket. It's about experiencing God. Come on, over the years, we've titled certain, certain uh, um, moves of God the healing move, you know, the prosperity move, the joy move. I personally don't like all that because it's a God move. And when you find God, you find everything. Everything about what Jesus did was for us to be able to know God with such intimacy and, and tangibility that again, walking in the Spirit would not be something difficult. It would be the most obvious way to walk. He's now more real, so I experience Him. I really and honestly believe that walking by faith is not just this blind, put my hands over my eyes and step out blindly. I really believe walking by faith is having your spiritual senses more enlightened than your physical senses. So that, sure, I hear the voice of what the doctor said, but I hear the voice of what Jesus said. And his voice is louder. Sure, I feel the pain in my body, but I also feel his presence, and his presence is greater than the pain. And so on and so forth, this is a relationship and a new reality. Amen. So the way that he explains this tonight, if you look in verse 17... 2 Corinthians 1, and this is the King James that says, Therefore, when I was planning this, did I do it lightly, or the things that I plan, do I plan according to the flesh, that with me there would be a yes, yes, and a no, no. But as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us, is God, who's also sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. So the first thing we want to do is help you to see that when he's talking about the yes, yes, and the no, no, Really, there's a description here that we can go back to and we can look in 
uh, actually um, Deuteronomy 28, and we can find uh, what happens in the law. The law is all about your flesh. So if you do the right thing, you get the right thing. If you do the wrong thing, you get the wrong thing. Does that make sense? Paul's saying that's not the type of life we're in anymore. We're in a whole different new type of life. He shared some things a little bit further in the fifth verse, and we love these scriptures, especially verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Remember that? But verse 16, he says, Judge no man after the flesh. For we did once judge Christ this way, but thus no longer. In other words, once you become saved, your spirit is now connected to God, and you're no longer just a flesh being connected to the world. So you have to make a distinction. Everything in life, everything you do, there is a way for you to see it according to the Spirit or there's a way for you to see it according to the flesh. And Paul said, once you are connected to God, you lose all right to make judgment and opinion about your flesh. That's what the word judgment means, opinion or conclusion. So he's saying, no longer come to a conclusion or an opinion by your flesh. Well, I'm really hurting today. I wonder if it's cancer. No opinion, no conclusion in your flesh. Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. Well, what if I'm really hurting? Well, that doesn't mean it has to stay that way. Because your opinion and your conclusion comes with he took my pains, he took my infirmities, you've got something to stand on to do what? To counteract that pain and watch it leave faster than it came. There's two different worlds we're operating in at the same time. Your flesh is attached to the fleshly world, but your spirit's attached to God. How well you continue to do what? To enjoy your relationship with God has to do with how effective you are with how your flesh is attached to the world. Amen. So when we look at this, if you go over to Deuteronomy 28, I'm just going to read a little bit because we don't have to read the whole thing and wear you out. You'll get the, you'll get the gist right here. But Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 14 says, If you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, and heartily obey all his commandments that I command you today, God, your God, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. All these blessings will come down on you and spread out beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. God's blessing inside the city, God's blessing in the country, God's blessing in your children, the crops of your land, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herd, lambs of your flock, and so on and so forth. And everybody says, yes, praise the Lord, that's what I want, to be blessed. But there's conditions. The conditions are you've got to diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and obey Him in everything. Well, what happens if I don't obey him in everything? Well, that's a problem. (laughs) Amen. You know, it's interesting. When God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, they were whining and complaining like crazy. Oh, my God. On the hot sun like this. Holy smokes, be rather back in change, you know, and eating leeks and onions. Who, who brought us out anyhow? Who's that guy up there leading us? And then all of a sudden, there's a pillar of cloud that shows up, and all of a sudden, they're like, wow, it's pretty cool. It's nice. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so cold out here in the desert at night. All of a sudden, a pillar of fire shows up, and they're like, wow, it's warm. It's great. 
Huh, we're hungry. Are you kidding? Is anybody going to feed us? And all of a sudden, you know, there's manna from heaven, angel food that just shows up on the ground. Oh. And then they get a little bit, you know, sassy and say, well, you know, the, the, the angel cakes are nice, but we want meat. You don't eat meat? I cook your lamb, you know? That's a movie, right? Yeah. That's a great statement, actually. And they end up having quail blow in with an east, east wind. And you just go out there and pick them up. Oh, okay. Now we're thirsty. Water comes out of a rock. Ah. They're complaining one step after another, and God keeps blessing. You know why? Because the terms right then was about what God was doing for them. It wasn't about what they were doing for God. It was what he was doing for them. So even with a wrong heart, with a wrong attitude, fussing and complaining, God still blessed them. But things changed there at the mountain when they said, all the things that you do, now we can do for ourselves. And God said, you want to do it for yourselves? So we want to do it ourselves. Okay. That's probably not going to be a real good idea. Moses, you're going to have to come up and talk with me. And he comes out with what? Ten commandments. In other words, if you want the kind of help that you've been getting, because do you remember? It was cold, but I gave you fire. It was hot, but I gave you cloud. You were thirsty, and I gave you water. You were hungry, and I gave you angel cakes, and then you complained even at that, and I had to give you quail. In other words, there's nothing about your survival that you did it's what I did. But now you can do it yourself. So just remember, no fire, no cloud, no quail, no angel cakes, no water. Water. <laughs> My family's going to love me by the time I go home. Amen. Hey, can you pack the car for me? I was playing golf with this pastor, and you know, I, it's when our kids were real young, so you know, you always talk to the kids, you need to go potty. No, I don't have to go potty. And they're, sque- you know, they're like this, you got to go potty. No, I don't have to go potty. Yes, you do. And so I don't even know why I'm saying it, but I'm out there hitting. I said, man, I got to go potty. And the pastor goes, well, you actually need an invitation. It's an RSVP. And I said, I've never had one before for potty. And he said, yeah. He said, it's at 7 o'clock tonight. I said, well, I can't wait till 7 o'clock tonight. I need to go now. And then I found out he was talking about the party without the R. I was talking about going behind a tree. Amen. Amen. You get things a little confused if you don't really know what's going on. So anyhow, we'll keep moving along. So the moment they came under control, it had to do with how well they obeyed as to whether they were worthy of what? The blessing. And this is where you get the yes, yes, and the no, no. That's what he's saying right here. The first part to the blessing is if you'll diligently obey him and honor God in everything that he says. Wow, that's pretty stiff. Yeah, that is pretty stiff. See, that's the reason why God gave the law, because people wanted to become their own, in a sense, God unto themselves. And he said, if that's what you want, and you want to actually have a relationship with me, here's how holy I am, how holy are you? So really what the law did, the law brought out their sinfulness. The law was perfect, but it had no power to convert them. Amen? Amen. 
That's the difference of sending Jesus. You know, when you, when you try to work the law by yourself, don't take long before you put your white flag up and said, I give, I give, I give, I give, I give. I can't do this by myself. And God said, I'm glad that you finally came to your senses. Now I can help you. But as long as we're going to do it ourselves. So what does this have to do with healing? It has everything because, see, this is the motivation behind people's thought processes when they come to God. Have I done enough? Have I, have I, I have enough scriptures? Did I pray enough? Come on, we all know if we sin, you know, the, 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 um, it's very possible that you would fall into this category if you did something wrong and you felt guilty that you would wait a little bit before you actually talked to God. What did Adam do? He hid. Right? And so you might do what I've done in the past where you would read an extra 10, 10 chapters. And around the 8th chapter, because you couldn't even make it to the 10th, but on the 8th chapter you were feeling kind of like, I can talk to God now. Everything's cool. Or you'd pray a little bit more. Or you'd wait a day or two, feeling a little guilty like, maybe I should deserve a little punishment. Something really interesting about the physical body if the human mind believes you deserve punishment, the physical body will accommodate you. It'll get sick. Your immune system is seeing yourself as God sees you. Otherwise, you're on your own. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't think I have some of you convinced just yet, but I'm really, really, really determined, okay? So I'm going to stay with you, all right? Look at what, what it says down here in the 15th verse. Here's what will happen if you don't obey, obediently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and diligently keep all the commands and guidelines I'm commanding you today. And all these curses will come down upon you. God's curse in the city, God's curse in the country, in your basket, in your children, in your crops, in your livestock. Well, it's just be cursed everywhere. And what does that describe? It describes if you sin, if you don't do it just right, then you get the curse. But aren't you glad Paul said, this isn't the system I came here with? Yeah. And I want to show you something about what Jesus came to do, because he came to eliminate this whole system. Yeah. Actually rearrange it. Praise the Lord. If you see it correctly, man, it should make you as happy as can be. The only thing you'll feel guilty for is that you're not feeling guilty anymore. <laughs> when I actually found out that there was no condemnation, the first thing that I actually felt was, I, can, is it okay to feel this way? See, I got saved as a four-year-old boy, and I read the scripture as a good Baptist every single night. I learned scriptures after scriptures after scriptures. I know a lot of scriptures, you know, memorized them all. I had the, the Roman road memorized as a four-year-old boy. Some of you may remember that. You know, wages of sin is death, but gifts of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. None are righteous, no, not one. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You confess with the mouth, believe the heart, thou shalt be saved. For the heart man believes in righteousness, confession is made into salvation. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the Roman road. And I'd take that Roman road with my friends and we'd go into their closets. The reason why we go into their closets, as a four-year-old boy, you heard the pastor say, when you pray, go in behind the door and close the door. And so that's what, that's what made sense to me. And I'd preach them the Roman road. I'd just preach the one scripture after another until all scriptures were out, and I'd say it slow so they, they could understand it. And then I'd say to them, now do you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? And if they said yes, and a bunch of them did, then it was a wonderful conversion and really simple. If they said no, then I actually held their heads down until they said yes. <laughs> I had 100% salvations in those days. Amen. I don't know why I've changed methods. It would just be so much easier if we would just force everyone to say, okay, Jesus, come into my heart. 
So we had the scriptures. We knew scriptures. And I knew of of Romans 8, verse 1, for years. I've known it since I was a kid. Therefore, if, therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. But my King James went on to say, for those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And I wanted the first part of Romans 8 to be real in my life. I wanted it desperately. I just wanted to not be condemned. But the second part of the verse messed it up. Because I was real honest with myself and I said, for those that don't walk in the flesh but in the spirit, I, think, I, I, I don't think I'm walking all the way in the, in the spirit. So I'm rightfully condemned. And I lived that way for years, talking 30, 40 years. Only to find out that the actual translation, uh, that last part was added by the translators. It was too good of news for them to actually leave it alone when Paul said, therefore, there is no longer any condemnation if you're in Christ. That's the solution to him saying, is there no one that can help me? And when he said, yes, thank God, Jesus, not only is the answer, but Jesus did help us, then he said, therefore, because of what he did, there's no more condemnation if you're in Christ. But what if I sin? There's no more condemnation. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. See, it's God's goodness and God's love that will cause you to want to change the way you see things. It's only the empowerment of God's grace that can help you to progress in your life. Sad to be said, but, you know, we love talking about getting saved in my Baptist church. Saved, saved. You know, we'd sing it and we'd shout it, praise the Lord. But then we went to work on our salvation. Instead of letting the grace of God continue to perfect us, we tried to perfect ourselves. So, well, what are you saying? Are you saying you get saved and then you sit there like a blob on a, you know, on a stool and don't do anything? No. Once you get saved, you've experienced a person. Hang out with them. Talk with them. Interact with him. Amen. Learn from him. Experience him in your life. Ask him to be a part of everything you do. Oh. See, and that's the part that's difficult. Because most conversions were not an experience with a person. It was like me holding the head down to say, I want you to say, Jesus, come into my heart. You're not getting hot, hot, come into my heart. Come in to that place. Amen. Right now, or you're not getting up. It was more of just, we, we meant it with all our hearts, but we didn't have any expectation to actually have a reality check, to have the tangibility of the living God come to live it. Come on, you can go down and have Mexican food, eat too many refried beans, and something on the inside is working on the outside. Oh, what a change in your life. Amen. <laughs> and yet the God of the universe steps inside of your skin, and you don't know it? Like, I don't know. Is he there? I never heard that. 
What does that tell you? It tells you we're made so much in the image and likeness of God that according to your knowledge and your heart releasing your faith in him, you either can have an experience with him or you can literally be kind of like a dud, go all your life with no experience in God, and yet you truly love him, but you shut down the part of him that wants to actually vent himself through. Why would God show me that his hands were my hands, his feet are my feet, if he didn't want to actually express his feet and express his hands? So was that, was that vision for me to actually never move anywhere and to never let my hands do anything? No, that vision was so I would have greater confidence to step forward and use my hands knowing that my hands were his hands. In other words, we've got God locked up inside. And he wants to express himself through our lives. And the greatest experiences of a person's life is when God's actually expressing himself. Now, see, these, these, these Jewish folks coming out of, out of Egypt, they just couldn't get a hold of that. They whined and complained, and God's still blessed. They whined and complained, God's still blessed. Now they're going to do it themselves and die. Okay. Is everybody doing okay? It's a Friday night. It's 8.30. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't see anybody moving yet, so I'm going to take advantage of that and just finish this, all right? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Turn your Bibles over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18. Oh, you're already there. I, I meant you to go to 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Excuse me. So we're going to talk about the first no. And I want you to get this because when you see what I'm going to do, you, you're going to think I did something wrong. If you have a traditional mindset, religious mindset, if you don't have a religious mindset, you're going to get excited. If you have a religious mind, you're going to think, I don't know that he can do that. But it kind of doesn't matter because I'm going to do it anyhow. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, <coughs> in the King James it says, For he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Living Bible says, For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. You know, Isaiah said, at looking upon Jesus, he said he had no comeliness or form. In other words, he literally transfigured as though he wasn't human. See, it wasn't just the beating that he took by the Roman soldiers, the cat of nine tails. That ripped his flesh all apart. He was nothing but a bloody mess. No doubt. But if the love of God and the grace of God and the glory of God could go into Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and literally take a normal face and beautify it until it was shining like the glory of the sun on snow, then what would happen if God took the whole vial of sin, past, present, and future, of every human being that was born or would be born and poured it into Jesus until every single drop went into his spirit? What would it do to his spirit to have the darkness of sin? It literally disfigured him until he didn't look human. See, we're struggling to want to do the right thing and not want to do the wrong thing. But Jesus went ahead and absorbed all of your wrong things. So not one wrong thing that you do would disqualify you. Really, really difficult to get a hold of this because, you know, all our life it's always been, hey, Jimmy, good job, Dad hugs you. Jimmy, what did you do? Uh, nothing. Uh, certain looks like you did something. What happened to this vase? Uh, uh, yeah, that was me. 
You're going to get paddled, turn over. See, back in the day, we got paddled. My dad was a disciplinarian. He had a paddle, and he took it down. This is in case somebody doesn't like this. I'm just rubbing it in a little more. He took it down to the wood shop at the high school and bore holes in it so that it would go even faster. Amen. He'd light you up. You couldn't sit down. Okay? That's back in the day where mom would make you go out and get your own switch from the willow tree. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And if you didn't get a, a good enough one, go get, go get the right one. And you'd have to go get one that has an end. It's just... Yeah. Yeah. We spanked our kids until they were happy. Little Drew, the middle one, she's just so precious. You, know, you just only have to just, and it was a little flippy switch, so it didn't hurt him at all. You spank her one time, she started going, I'm happy, Daddy, I'm happy. <laughs> Amen. And guess what? It didn't hurt them at all. It helped them. Caused them to do what? Think twice, and it caused them to respect things that we were sharing and teaching with them that would help to guard and guide their life for eternity. Praise the Lord. I don't know where I was when I got off on that little tangent. I don't think it was necessarily anointed or anything, so maybe I'll have to jump right back in here. The Message Bible said, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Amen. Yes. What did he, he absorbed our sins. How, how many of them? Come on, look, look over there. Psalm 103, when it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. What's the first one? He forgives all your sin and iniquity. He heals all your diseases, right? How many did Jesus absorb of your sins or your wrong choices? All of them. Do you know what that does to this equation? I know some of you are not going to think that I can do this, but I just did. It literally removes the first no. God, you know, the reason, you shared earlier, you know, Galatians chapter 2, from the message, Paul said, I, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not even trying to impress God. Well, what would make him so arrogantly say something like that? It's not arrogance. He was in humility saying, when I found out that God is impressed with me through Jesus Christ forever, and it has nothing to do with my performance at all, then I can lay down the effort and the tension. I'm trying to swing that golf club, but I'm trying to hit it so hard. How come it doesn't go as far as that little guy over there? He got skinny little arms. He didn't even work out. Are you kidding me? Five foot seven, he just hit the thing 300 yards. Mine went 220 yards with everything I had. It's because you got so much effort. You got so much tension. Take the tension away, take the effort away, and all of a sudden, it just goes to the other side. You think, wow, look at that. Jesus took the tension away. He took the effort away. Because now if you're not under the spotlight, guess what happens now? You can begin to perform out of the relationship in ways you've never were able to perform in your own ability. Why? The relationship comes with God's ability for you to overcome. Is this making sense? I'd rather in my weakness, have God's ability to overcome than be in my strength and only have me. Yes. 
Does that sound like a passage of Scripture at all? Well, sure it does. Paul talked about there in the 12th chapter, he talked about, you know, oh God, you know, all these things that are coming against me. And God said, well, my grace is sufficient. And Paul was a quick learner. He said, I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm fussing and fighting against it. What I need to do is just lean back into you and realize that in my weakness, I've got greater strength because of your grace to overcome than in my strength to be all on my own. Hey, let's just be honest with one another. We've already figured out what we can do in life. In other words, pretty much there's nothing new under the sun. We're going to go around the same track. Some of you actually, it's possible that some of you actually live in a very small 10 mile by 10 mile, you know, radius. It's possible. People do, you know. Everything kind of, you know, the grocery store, you know, where work is, where, where, where the gas station is, where we need to go. Every, so, every once in a while, we, we go out of the boundary. <sighs> Feeling a little nervous. Why? We just, we just it's, it's 11 miles, not 10. <laughs> Are we going to make it? I think we will. Because we step out, because we like things controlled. Hey, Amen. It's time to get out of our control, get into Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's time to let go and find God. Hallelujah. So guess what he did? He got rid of the first no. I love this scripture here in Romans chapter 4, 25. I'm going to give you just the beginning part of it. It says, uh, Jesus was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeed. In other words, all of our sin is what put him on the cross. You agree, don't you? Well, that's the reason why we can get rid of this no. Because he took all the sin. That literally is gone. Now, what's the second no? If you do wrong, you get wrong. In other words, you get cursed. Come on, think, think of how people back in that day thought. They saw that man let down through the roof who was paralyzed in his feet before Jesus. And Jesus said, son, your sins be forgiven. And they got all upset. Why did Jesus say your sins be forgiven? Because back in that day, if you had sickness, it's because you had what? Sin. If you did wrong, you had, had wrong. Because he could have just said, as easy as can be, rise up and walk. Remember, he said that later. But you, you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sin, which is easier, to say rise up and walk or, or be free from your sin. So the moment he gets rid of your sin... You can't be cursed. Galatians 3.10. Galatians 3.10. Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For as written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. So he's telling us, if you don't do everything that's in the book, you get cursed. We know that's the whole system under the law, the flesh, the law, the works. We do wrong, we get wrong. What did Jesus do? He absorbed all of our wrong so that he could then absorb all of our curse. Come on, this isn't just he, he became your sin, but the curse is out there lurking. He became your sin and then absorbed the curse. This is a really difficult thing for me to say to you right here because we're, we're, we're watching visibly and tangibly people being afflicted by disease and sickness on a daily basis and more all the time. Coming out with more and more drugs, coming out with more and more. And listen, a, a, three out of four commercials has to do with uh, uh, drug-related commercials. 
If you listen to them real closely, you'll find that they're trying to tell you that this miraculous pill is going to save your life, and then the last 15 seconds, the guy turns into an auctioneer and actually tells you you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> huh? If you've listened like I have, right? In fact, one of the side effects to depression medication is what? Depression. You know God's not into that. See, people say, well, God, you know, was in, you know God's the inventor of medicine. <laughs> no, no, not like that. Like, you know, you're depressed, I'll give you this. Uh, but you could be depressed. <laughs> Amen. So when you hear what I'm going to get ready to say, it may not make sense, but I want you to think about it for a second. God actually believes there is no sickness and there is no disease on the planet. He actually believes he took it. He believed he absorbed your sin and he believed he took your curse. In other words, he absorbed your sin and he took your penalty and punishment. And if he took it, then he removed it. You say, well, how come there is so much sickness and disease if God actually believes that there's none? I'll give, you, I'll give you the reason. Because God made us in his image and likeness. And that's a very dangerous thing. There's a lot of responsibility to be made in the image and likeness of God. There's no other creation in all the world. Not in this world and not in the other world. We're the only created beings that are in the image and likeness of God. Angels are not in the image and likeness of God. They're spiritual beings, but they're not in the image and likeness of God. Image and likeness means manifestation and representation. We are manifestations and representations of God. In other words, what that means is, is what you believe in your heart and what you speak out of your mouth and what you act on, you'll create just like Jesus did when he said, light be, and bam, light was. So look at how we're creating all the time. And this may, this may get somebody's goat right here. I don't know. But we color code our months anymore. When I played football back in the 70s and 80s, you, you, you didn't wear pink. You get the tar beat out of you if you wore pink. Huh? And now we've color-coded a whole month for pink. See, someone may get feathers ruffled. I can't believe you're saying that. Well, no, I need to address this. The more you make people aware of breast cancer, the more you're going to have. Because you give people the chance to believe in it. While we're supposedly fighting against it, we're embracing the idea that it's real. So a guy was found dead in a commercial freezer, and certainly the autopsy said he died of hypothermia. The only problem was the freezer wasn't on. Guy came to me to tell me about his mother-in-law, and I braced. Okay, tell me. Because you know where it's going. And he started, my mother-in-law is the most cantankerous woman you've ever met in your life. I said, okay, I knew that was going there. What else? He said, when she turned 50 years of age, she started feeling sorry for herself, started telling the whole family, you watch, I'll be the next person in this family to get cancer. He said, the moment she said that, everybody in the family said, mama, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that. And that's just what she wanted, the attention. The more they said, don't say it, the more she what? Said it. Within the year, she had cancer. And in the heat of her battle of cancer, 
She came down with Alzheimer's and lost her mind just like that. He said within one week of her losing her mind, the cancer left. Huh. Really? So you just cut your heads off, you'll all be healed. See, we embrace this stuff because it's what everybody embraces. I don't mean to be an idiot here, but I, I, I do really weird things just to help you, okay? But you know, everything for Adam and Eve had to be a first. You can't remember some of your firsts. For your first what? Your first pain. But they could. I mean, once they were pushed out of the garden, and they were pushed, there were tracks. They didn't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. You have to. But we don't want to go. I told you. Yeah, but we don't want to go now. Now's the time where you're going. And then the first thing they said to God was how mankind now has adopted as what's called life. And the first thing they said is, what are we going to do now? And that became life, the doing life. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you gonna do? How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna do that? They never had to live like that before because God did everything. They just hung out with God. Amen. So God must be cool enough that you could hang out with him for eons and eons and eons and not get tired of hanging out with him again. I mean, some people's concept of God is, you know, he's just so old, he needs 24 elders up there to help him up and off the throne. And he's as boring as can be. He's totally irrelevant. We're gonna get up there and after about two or three days, we're gonna say, how long do we have to be here? No, no, no. The idea about God is, and Paul told us over there in Ephesians in chapter 2, he said throughout all the eons, or Colossians 2, he said throughout all the eons of time, God will show us another side of his loving kindness and grace toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, we're going to wake up and say, oh, wow, I can't believe this. Took my breath away. And then the next day we're saying, he can't out. Oh, wow. Every day we're going to be in a state of awe. And it'll never get tiring. Even after billions and billions of years, God never runs out of ideas. The more you begin to experience God, what you'll find is your limitation is only your imagination. I'll say it again. The more you begin to experience him as a real person, your only limitation is your imagination. Paul covered that over in Ephesians 3.20. Now to him was able to do exceedingly abundantly above. The Amplify says infinitely beyond your highest prayers, thoughts, desires, hopes, or dreams. What is he trying to say? You probably can't think big enough, but I'm asking you, think as big as you can because God's able to do super abundantly beyond all you ask or think. Imagine. How did God create the world in the first place? He had an imagination of what it looked like. The Holy Ghost went and warmed everything up. Jesus stood and said, light be. Bam, it happened. And then God went down and actually looked it over. He says, God saw the light. And he said, it's good. What was it good like? It was exactly according to the picture he had inside. How do you see yourself? Praise the Lord. I'm going to do something here. Praise God. We're not, we're not going to go too much longer, but this just excites me right there. Jesus 
became our sin and he took our curse so that we could be set free. Hallelujah. How you believe about sickness and disease has everything to do with whether or not it's able to stay on you. Oh, yeah, other people will prove that sickness and disease is in the earth, and they'll try to prove that Jesus didn't take it. But you don't have to go with that flow. So as I was saying, you know, Adam and Eve looked at each other, well, what are we going to do? Oh, I don't know. God, you know, who's cooking tonight? He said, well, you guys are. Where are we going to get the food? You're going to have to grow it. And he said, that's why I said it's going to get sweaty. He said, well, what's sweat? Well, as soon as you start to work the ground, you'll sweat. Will it be enjoyable? He said, probably not. What's going to come with the sweat? He said, a lot of pain. They've never had pain before, so they don't know what it's going to look like. And Eve was frantically trying to get some things together. And, you know, the countertop was a big slab of jagged stone. And she ran around it and hit her, hit her hip. And she just grabbed it and said, ow. Ow. And Adam said, why are you saying ow? She said, I don't know. But it hurts. He said, what's hurt? She said, well, I don't know. But that's what it, it feels like. It feels like a hurt. And, and I want to say ow. He said, let's look at it. And he looked at it, and it was all red and yellow. And he said, wow, that's pretty cool. How'd you get that? He said, I, I hit my hip on that corner. So Adam, you know, like, like an idiot, he goes over there and just on purpose goes, he goes, she said, that's what I said. It hurts. She said, that's what I called it. it... I know I'm being an idiot, you know, up here, okay? But I'm trying to make a point. Everything that they experienced was a first. They didn't have a whole generation and a whole population of people that were just sick and diseased and TV and ads and all kinds of things brainwashing you to believe that this is so. Come on, th think for a second about Methuselah. How old did he live anyhow? 969 years. Well, if he, at 50, acted like most people in our generation at 50, he would have needed some readers. And he might have got up and gone, oh, my God, the crook in my back. Haven't felt that before. Someone says, well, that's your 50. <laughs> yeah, I am. Well, we've had it too. Everybody gets it. Yeah. Now, if he was 50 and had that happen, and someone said, do you know you're going to live another 919 years? You know what he would have said? Shoot me. <laughs> right? put me out of my misery. But for us, we accept all of that. That's just life. When both no's are gone, that ain't the life that he gave you. That's not his life. That's not his life. Amen. I'm staring at a board right there, and I don't see those no's. Come on, Colossians chapter 2, 13 and 14. Let me just give you these couple so that you'll see. In the Lombok translation, come on, there is such a translation. It says, but God forgave your sins and brought you back to life with Christ. God crossed out the whole debt against us in his account books. He no longer counted the laws that we had broken. 
He nailed the account book to the cross and closed the account. God doesn't see what you do. He closed your account. He removed sin from your life. If you can see it like God sees it, you'll lose the taste for it. This is good too, okay? Romans uh, 4, 25. I I gave you the first part. It said, Jesus was betrayed and put to death because of our misdeeds, and he was raised to secure our justification. In other words, Jesus could not come out of the grave until every single person's sin was accounted for, past, present, and future. And this is what it reads in the Amplified. Our acquittal... Our justification was our acquittal. He's talking about legal terms here. And he went on saying, making our account balance and absolving us from all guilt before God. Jesus made your account balance. And he took the old account book and he nailed it to the cross. And closed your account. Come on, you can't go to Jesus and tell him about your sin, that he sees it. You can't go to Jesus and tell him about your sickness, that he sees it. He removed it all. Come on, that's the curse over here. He absorbed the sin. He became the curse. And he wiped it right off the planet so that you would never have to bear that cross and that load. Now, it's good news for you to find out I don't have to bear that cross, but he wants you to take it a step further and literally become in your mind the person that he's made you to become. You've got to see it in order to walk in it. I said you've got to see it in order to walk in it. All religion has done is told you about your sin. I'm up in New York and in the High Park, New York area, and there's a girl there, she's 31 years of age, and, and I would say that, and I'm gonna say this nicely, but that she had the potential of being a very beautiful woman. And you can take that and run with it any way you want to. It's just that in the condition she was at, she made herself look extremely unattractive, and she sat there like this, her hair was all down in the front of her face. And when I talk with her, I'm looking at her and thinking, you know, she's, she's a very pretty lady. But she doesn't look good at all. And all that came out of her was, all I see is sin all day long. Jesus said, whatever is not of faith is sin. All I see is my sin. I said, well, you're looking at the wrong place. Jesus took your sin. He bore your infirmity. He carried all that sin so that you wouldn't have to be looking at sin so you could actually see him. I mean, the joy about being set free of sin isn't to say, hot dog, I'm free of sin. Huh? That's not the joy. The joy is now that I'm free, I get to approach him. Come on, under the old covenant. Man, when they said, hey, we're going to do it ourselves. And God said, all right, let's meet one another. And then he said, you better sanctify yourself. And oh, by the way, don't come too close to the mountain. 15,000 people died, came too close. The mountain was on fire. When God removes the sin, guess what? You can not only come close to the mountain, you can climb the mountain. 
Why? Because everything is about what being embraced by God and embracing Him, watching Him do stuff in your life. My sister's got a hold of this. Here she was, Baptist all her life, and you know, she said, All my life, Jimmy's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Well, it's like, thanks a lot. And my sis just happened to get everything from my parents. Like, they, they didn't have anything left for me. She uses both sides of her brain. I use a portion of one side. She has the creative side down, and she also has this amazing, meticulous side that just has everything in order. I mean, Jan's the type of person that if the family was coming over, she would already have casseroles in the freezers, and it would be for like four months before, okay? Seriously, it's like that. Wakes up every morning at four o'clock to go out and do horses and this, and then she has this amazing job that she does and can't wait to get there early. Like, who can't wait to get there early? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, she's, she's wonderful, wonderful person, you know. But, but, but she's always looked at me like, you know, he's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. My name in my family is actually better than E.F. Hutton. You know when, when E.F. Hutton speaks? Everybody listens? If I'm at a family function and the ladies are, you know, doing some stuff in the kitchen and putting dishes away and stuff, if someone says, hey, Jimmy, what do, what do you think about such and such? You'll hear the sinks will stop, the clatter will stop, all these faces will turn around, they'll look around the corner to see what I'm going to say. Because I'm the one that broke rank and then got filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. And, 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 and got crazy, you know, about healing and all this other stuff. And they're still back. Okay, so my sister, who's in that kind of mindset, my mom's starting to feed her some of the things that I've been sharing about letting God become real. And she's on a ranch now by herself with horses. So her first experience was she was out uh, trying to catch Fannie Mae. Fannie Mae is a donkey. And Fannie Mae didn't like to be caught. There was 40 acres, and she was running around for two and a half hours and 40 acres, get right up to it, Fannie Mae take off. She'd run after again, Fannie Mae take off. So all of a sudden, she began to think about what my mom had been sharing with her about how real Jesus can be and just invite him to be a part of everything you do. So she said, all right, Jesus, here's the deal. Fannie Mae is now your donkey. He's not mine. <laughs> so I'm going in the house, and he can stay out here all night long. You just protect him. And if you don't, then I'm going to tell all my neighbors that you couldn't protect him. And she just walked to the gate, and when she got to the gate, put her hand on the gate to open it, something went like this, and nudged her, and she turned around, and it was Fannie Mae. <laughs> who didn't move, let her put the lead rope on her. She took her right in, and she thought to herself, she said, Jesus, I should have done that two and a half hours ago. <laughs> but she's smart enough to figure it out. So now she starts including him in on everything. And there's a big tree that fell on her fence line, and it's got to be a, at least a good, good section of a tree that's about like that. And so she's out there with that orange triangular saw, you know, which, which has got good teeth, but it's only that long. You know, you really would like a longer one to get a, a nice thorough. So she's out there, and she said she's going to town, and she said just to spite her, two little sawdust jumped up. She's getting nowhere. So she said, well, Jesus... Maybe you should get involved with this and help me. And she said, Jimmy, I'm telling you the truth because, see, she's Baptist, so she ain't stretching this thing like some Pentecostals, you know what I mean? <laughs> she said, I watched my arm go, sh -sh 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 she said, in 30 seconds, I went right through that whole thing. She said, I was covered in sawdust. 
And I said, holy smokes, Jesus, you really did help. And then it started to make sense. She goes out and checks the horse. Her favorite horse has got a big old abscess. So she treats it, goes over to the other side of the barn, and just lets the Lord have it. Lord, if that's my favorite horse, it's got to be your favorite horse. And how dare that thing to be on that horse? Now, I say it needs to leave. What do you say? And then she walked back over and checked her horse. It disappeared. She's on a big tractor, front loader. She's got it full of dirt. She's trying to turn it like this, and there's a creek bank that's six-foot drop. And it had been raining, so she didn't realize the closer she got to the creek bank, the softer it would. She's turning that to go parallel to the fence line and drop some dirt over there to, to work some of the pastures. When she turned it like this, the whole thing went up like that. And she's going to be at the bottom of this front loader with all the dirt. She said she cried, Jesus. That's all she could get out is Jesus. She said within a split second, she said she was 10 feet over with the front loader coming down perfectly parallel. Who moved that front loader? All of a sudden, one testament after another. She can't wait to just tell me testimonies. I mean, I didn't mean to try to be disrespectful, but I told her, I said, Jan, if you never go anywhere, although it's wonderful to go somewhere if, if there's someone telling you good things and you can find good people that are going to share testimonies like yours. I said, but if you did never do anything else, but just what you're doing right now, what you're doing right now is Christianity. That's why Jesus died. He died so that you could have that kind of relationship with him and he could become that real to you. She said, I see him everywhere. I know he's everywhere, but we very rarely see him because we're caught up in the things that we do see. Come on, if you don't hear God's voice, it's not because he's not speaking, it's because you're hearing another voice. If you don't feel his presence, it's not because he's not there. It's just you're used to the feeling of other things. Oh, this feels so nice. This, this is good. My, my wife, every, every time you shop, she's even trying to get me to do it, and I refuse to do it. We walk in, and if there's any clothes, she has to touch has to touch anything that looks soft. And she'll do this, she'll do this like this. She goes, no, it's not too soft. She'll just go, oh, that's yummy. <laughs> and the daughters all do it. So we go through store and they're doing this. And she goes, see, touch. And I don't want to touch. <laughs> so no, 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 touch. And she'll, she'll bring it off the rack and she'll, she says, this. So I said, it is, it's soft, but I don't want to touch it. Why does she want to touch it? Because if, if you could see what you look like, You wouldn't do it anymore. <laughs> so we get used to certain things that we feel, and we what? We discredit that we're feeling him. Is this helping anybody tonight? Yes. Come on, we've gone a real long time. I want to just speed this up. Yes. Praise the Lord. Listen to this, Ephesians 1, 7, 7 and 8 in the Message Bible. This I could run around the room at, and I may have to. It says, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people. And then he went on to say this, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds, and not just barely free, they're Eve, not barely free either, abundantly free. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Real quickly, the first yes is our performance of good things. 
Because you could look at this and say, hey, all the bad things are gone. But you know, I don't do everything right, so I still don't deserve. And you're right back to trying to make you become the whole reason why it does or doesn't work. I wonder if I got enough faith. I wonder if I've forgiven all my sin. That girl, it was so sad to see. She's doing nothing but confessing sin all day long and seeing sin. I did what I could to help her. I gave her truth, and she just sat there and says, but I see it everywhere. I said, well, you're going to have to stop seeing it. And I'm not nice. There's nothing about the Bible that's nice. I'm kind. But I'm not nice when it comes to that garbage. It's ruining her life. I'm not going to sit there and say, it's okay, honey. I'm going to believe with you. That won't work. She's bound. In sin. And people are bound with their sickness. Some folks, i got to ask them, you sure you want to be free? You might not be able to use that, that sticker that gets you up in the front. <laughs> well, I like that sticker. Well, I know everybody would like that sticker. But when you're healed, you can walk from the back 40, for crying out loud. That's the mentality of our age. We're all into health. And so we pull up to McDonald's, and they actually have a healthy wrap. And so we say, I'll have the healthy wrap, and you're in your car. And the gal says, well, anything that's healthy, you have to park your car and come inside. Oh, how dare they? I'll go to Wendy's. And you go to Wendy's, and they say, anything that's healthy, you have to park your car and come inside. Oh, can't believe that. Now think of the absurdity of it, the irony of it. I'm all about health and ordering a healthy wrap, but because I have to get out of my car and do a healthy thing to go get it, I'm mad. And that's what this generation and this age is doing to us as Christians. Dumbing us down. Oh, praise the Lord. You, 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 you listen too well and it's caused me to go too long. But Titus 3, 5, and I'll, 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 I'll quickly finish here. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Everybody say, we have done. Not by your works of righteousness, which you have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Romans 5.18 says, in the Phillips translation, we see then that as one act of sin exposed the whole race of men to God's judgment and condemnation, so one act of perfect righteousness presents all men freely acquitted in the sight of God. The Living Bible says, yes, Adam's sin brought punishment to all, but Christ's righteousness makes men right with God so they can have life. Romans 5.19, for as by one man's disobedience men were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Matthew 5.17 If you think that I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet, you're mistaken. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. See, everything that Jesus did, his obedience brought to perfection what you couldn't do. And he put it on your credit card. He put it on your test. A plus. Put your name on what he did. But seek first the kingdom of God and whose righteousness? 
Well, the way we live, it's by our righteousness. If I can just do it right, then I can be confident God will heal me tonight. Hey, I'm feeling pretty good about this service tonight. How come you're feeling pretty good about the service? Because, man, I've been having a good week. See, it's all on you. You're having a good week, so you don't have that thing gnawing on you saying, you're condemned, you're condemned, you're condemned, because it's all about you. So you're feeling like tonight would just be humdinger, man. I'll tell you, I get healed tonight. Now, you might not do that, but really on the inside, that's what we're doing. We're trying to measure ourselves up to what we think should produce a good outcome. I'm telling you what, the good outcome is there whether you do the right or whether you do the wrong. Oh, my God. Well, that's awesome. I'll just go ahead and do all the wrong and still get a good outcome. Well, you just go ahead and do that and see how fun life is when it's like putting a noose around your neck to continue in sin. Hardest thing in the world. Yeah. Let me preach this faith stuff. Hardest thing in the world is to live this faith stuff with your kids. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd like to tell them exactly what to do. <laughs> but now I have to be a cheerleader. Because they're old enough to make their own decisions. The youngest one, I still have a little bit of rain on. But the two oldest ones, I have to be sly. <laughs> and make some nice comments that kind of supports them a little bit. And just throw in a little bit of, of possibility of you might, you might want to ask me what I think. <laughs> so I might be able to, because you really got to just trust God now. You got to trust God now. And I'm telling you, I'm going to make this statement. You can't walk by this grace. You can't walk by his righteousness as long as you need a pat on the back. If, if you're insecure and you need somebody to say, you know you're doing so well. Why? Because when you see what Jesus does for you, it's never about you anymore. It's all about him. But the beauty of it is when you'll change directions and let it be all about him, he'll perfect in you through his grace things you can't do by yourself. You'll find yourself healed without trying to get healed. You'll find yourself saying after two or three years, I haven't even had a common cold. I, I, huh, that's interesting. I've just been hanging out with Jesus, enjoying him, haven't been thinking about, and we got more money now than we've ever had before, and there's more peace in our family because I'm not buying into all the drama of life anymore. Jesus is showing me that. And all of a sudden, you start pinching yourself to think, you know, life is actually pretty good right now, and it's not ever been about you because as soon as you get back involved, that's when the grace of God is nullified. Come on, somebody. Jesus did all the things he did so that we could get rid of this first yes right here and literally leave it back up to what Jesus said through the Apostle Paul. I didn't come with a yes and a no. He said, how did I come? Well, notice what it says here. He went on to say, for all the promises of God are in him are yes. So there's only one yes. And in him, amen. In other words, it's solidified that there's always only one yes. But now I want to draw attention to one thing as we're closing. It says, in him, it's yes. In him, it's yes. In him, it's yes. In him, it's yes. Oh, my God, there's just a yes. I mean, like, let's clean house. We'll see, it's in him, it's yes. Isn't it interesting the Apostle Paul was always drawing people back to in him? 
Kenneth E. Hagan, you know who I traveled with and spent time with quite a bit before he died doing his prayer school and healing school. He made comments. He said, my life and my ministry was changed when I began to go through the epistles, Paul's letters, to the church and began to highlight or underline everything that said in him, of him, in whom, of whom. In other words, Paul was trying to bring our identity into Christ so that it would always come back to your relationship with him. He's the focus. It's in him. Praise the Lord. Yes, all the benefits are yours. Do you have to do the right thing? Do you have to do, not do the wrong thing? All that's wiped away so that you're no longer under the pressure of trying to perform yourself. Now you can enjoy the person of Jesus and reap the benefits. Let me ask you a simple question here. When did Adam and Eve know, they were, know that they had a physical body? After they sinned, right? So what does that tell you about before they sinned? Why didn't they know about their body like they did after they sinned? Because when you're hanging out with Jesus, what would be wrong with your body? In other words, when you walk in here and you flip the switch and all the lights come on, do you think, oh my God, something's wrong with the lights? Well, no, they're all on. You only think something's wrong when one's flickering, when a whole section goes out, and then you start doing the diagnostic. Is it the bulb? Is it the breaker? Well, it can't be the breaker because the same breaker actually controls this. Okay, well then, is it the bulb? Well, no, there's a whole bunch of them, so maybe it's, ah, uh, man, we got a wire problem, a connection problem. See, when you're hanging out with him, that's what fixes everything. And the joy of your life is to experience him. Like to experience him messing with your life. He's very fun. I'm on my computer, and I'm trying to pull up the word fasting in vines. Fasting, F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Believe comes up. I said, ah, wait a minute. And I X'd out, and I went F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Believe. F-A-S-T-I-N-G. Believe. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you're obviously messing with me, I'll read it. And then this is what it said. When Abraham believed in the Lord and God accredited unto him his righteousness, this is what it said, vines. He didn't believe in the word of God. He believed in God. Uh, I had to read that again. I said, this guy Vines knew that? Shoot, man. I thought I was the only one that knew that. <laughs> he didn't believe in just the word of God. He believed in God. And I took that, I wrote that down, I started thinking about that, and then I thought, hmm, F-A-S-T-I-N-G, fasting. I love it. God likes to mess with you. He wants to be involved in him. I got this cowboy friend. Y'all heard this. But he's tweaked me just because he doesn't have any religion and he found God and then he just didn't find God. He actually went home and saw God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. And then he went back and he went back and he went back. And I even questioned, you could go back? Because we're taught that was like a lottery ticket. I won. Had an experience with God. Well, what would you tell that person? Don't think you could win another one. Right? 
So I said, you could go back. This is what he said. Do you know where your dad lives? I said, yes. Can you go there anytime? I said, yes. He said, then why would you try to keep me from going and seeing my heavenly father, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost? I said, that makes sense. He said, I, I, have, I live alone and my dog's my best friend. And I had the most amazing 15 minutes of my life. So I went back. Wow. That upended my theology. And it needed to be upended because all the boundaries and limitations are not of God. God wants us to experience him. So see, when you begin to hear someone experiencing God in their life like constantly, then it opens up your heart to think, well, maybe I could experience God in my life. Because we just experience him when we're in the pulpit or when we're singing. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. I only do that because that's what actually some people equate to an experience with God. We'll join a chorus line for crying out loud. So here he's sitting in a church, this, this lady, he's, he's not married, he's about three years older than me, and he's at a church, this lady took him there, and the pastor walks up, and the pastor's kind of limping like this, and he walks up and he goes, oh. he goes, young man, it looks like we'll have to get you some, take up an offering to get you some church clothes. Well, it's not the best thing to say to a cantankerous cowboy who actually reads 5,000 words per minute with 97% retention, has four earned PhDs and 17 authored books in Barnes and Nobles on horses that figured out how to go home and experience God. So BJ looks back at him and said, Preacher, you believe in grace? He goes, I oh, sure do, son. He goes, why don't you use some on your hip? <laughs> he just walked away. And then he looks up to heaven with this lady next to him and he goes, I really would like to get out of here and get to a place where I can get pancakes and have as many as I can as fast as I can. And she said, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. She said, that's not a prayer. He said, yes, it is. She said, well, you can't, you can't do that to God. Well, yes, you can. And she said, well, I, I don't think you can. He said, well, I'll prove to you that you can. Let's get up. And they got up right then, and they left, and they went and got in the truck. And it was green light, green light, green light, green light, green light, green light. And they got to the last green light before they would turn left to go to IHOP. And she just blurts out and says, well, you know, this kind of thing happens on Sundays. There's not much traffic on the road. Throws it in park, turns it off. She said, what are you doing? He said, as long as I'm under that light, it'll be green. And a whole minute goes by, and it's green, and everybody's kind of not knowing what to do. And she finally gets so nervous, she's like, hits, she goes, okay, okay, okay. And he starts the truck up, puts it in drive. The moment he went underneath, it turned yellow. They pull into IHOP, and they get out, and she's kind of looking at them like this, like, this is really, really weird, you know. And they get to the door, open the door, and the little, the little lady comes out, you know, and she says, oh, my God, it's your lucky day. And she just looks at him like, you know, and looks back and says, what's lucky about it? And she said, the manager had twins. Pancakes are on the house. And she literally turned to him and said, I don't even know why God would answer a prayer. I don't even know why he would like you. <laughs> so here I am having this amazing day, and I've just gone to a friend and talked with him. It's in the morning. It's about, nine, about 8, 8.45. And, and, and I'm figuring out what I'm going to do, and I'm not at a place where I can get to a, 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 a um, highway to get home quick. I'm right in the middle of the city, and, and I'm just thinking about what I'm doing, and all of a sudden I get this text, and it says, would you like a coffee before healing school? And then I had that warm feeling come over me like, oh, healing school. Oh, shoot. And I looked at my watch and said, oh, man, 
how am I going to make it? Because I just had one of those moments, you know. And I have that happen a lot. <laughs> and I'm just having one of those moments going, oh, man, how do I get home? How do I get home? i got to get changed. i got to get my Bible. And, and, oh, I don't have enough time to do this. And then I just said, no, I'm not going to take the care of it. Lord, I'm going to go through all the lights, as many as I can find on my way home, and I'm going to watch what you can do. 17 green lights, I'm home in 12 minutes. I couldn't have done that if I was on the highway. Got changed, grabbed my Bible, walked in, grabbed my coffee, walked up to the platform like I'd been ready all morning long. And all of a sudden, I began to put two and two together. I'm thinking, God, you really want to be involved in everything we do. You like this. And Lord, to be honest with you, I think this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. I mean, I've, I've preached your word. I've quoted your word. I've, I've run people down and jumped on them and beat hell out of them to get them saved. I've done crazy things for you, but I've never had you like in my life where you're messing with my life where you're involved with me. Come on, when you get rid of the no's and you get rid of that, yes, it's all about you and Jesus, full throttle, how big is your imagination, how big can you think, because all the parameters are gone, it's just about live life and enjoy Jesus. And when I say live life and enjoy Jesus, that's why I told you those couple of stories. But we could tell story after story after story of how life is becoming fun when you let him begin to mess in your life. You let him begin to become a part of your life. Sickness is leaving. Even the confidence comes back because you're really not alone. You're not just quoting the scripture. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, Father, for our time tonight. Lord, I thank you for what you've been doing here tonight, what you've been showing us, for the people that have been healed. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.